Welcome to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, which aims to advance gospel-centered youth ministry by equipping and empowering youth ministers to faithfully disciple students towards lifelong faith in Jesus Christ. The Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast is part of the Rooted Family of Podcasts, which also includes the Rooted Conference Podcast, the Rooted Parent Podcast, Ask Alice, and Thanos to Theos. To learn more about Rooted, visit us at www.rootedministry.com. I'm your host, Davis Lacey. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, which is why I am thrilled to be joined by today's guest on the podcast, Scott Box. Scott is the founder of the ministry Worship Hero, and his mission is to change the way people understand and practice worship by providing tools to pursue Jesus and reflect Jesus as a habit leading to hope, to live lifestyles of heroic disgrace. And that's actually the title of Scott's first book, Heroic Disgrace, which details his journey through bipolar disorder and how it taught him to live out worship rather than just lead worship. Scott's firsthand experience offers hope for anyone whose life has been impacted by mental illness, which I trust is many of our listeners today. Scott, thanks so much for making time for us, and welcome to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. Absolutely, Davis. My pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I, I really appreciate the fact that you are... A, willing to be on our podcast, but B, just in general, you're willing to go to the point of even writing a book. You're, you're so open yeah. about your mental health journey, specifically about being diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And, you know, rather than me try to read off uh, excerpts of your book or, or a canned introduction, walk us through your journey. Let us get to know you a little bit. You bet. Well, as you already know, bipolar disorder is a part of my story. Uh, it's... It's it's one of those things that I didn't recognize was a part of my life until I was I was married and my wife and I were uh, I was 22 she was 20 when we got married so we were young but uh, we, we and we were going through what I guess every married couple goes through you just don't realize in in our case we didn't realize that some of those things were a little extreme and when I say extreme I mean things like in bipolar disorder, you've got the the significant highs, and then you've got the massive lows. And mm. Yeah, and so uh, what I experienced in in the realm of what's called hypomania, which isn't full blown mania, but it's it's this it's it's really I I call it kind of an illicit drug. I mean it it called it called me back to it over and over. And as, as Carrie Ann and I were struggling through that, and then what always happened on the back end of hypomania was the crash. There was always a crash into depression. And, and then we just fell into, uh, we fell into counseling. We were looking to adopt a child. And so we, part of the, the deal with counseling was, or with adoption is you had to go get the, you know, the box checked that you were, well enough to, to gotcha. yeah, have, you know, a, a child come into your home. And so we did that. And after, after the first or second session, I was like, man, this is really, this is really good. And then within a year I was diagnosed bipolar. Wow. What, uh, what made you decide to open up and, and share that, you know, with me, with our, with our podcast, and even to the point of, of writing a book, what made you be so open about this part of your story in your life, mm. Scott? Mm-hmm. 
So my story has kind of three threads to it, Davis. There's there's the aspect of uh, of mental health, obviously, but then there's the the aspect of of heroism, and which is in the title to the the heroic disgrace component, uh, which I can address more down the road. But but sure. there was yeah there was that thread, but then there's this other thread of worship, and I I'd always grown. I, not always, but as as a young man, I I was inspired by worship leaders in my church uh, up in Seattle, and I wanted to be that. <laughs> and I had some musical uh, experience and and a little bit of talent. I'm serviceable to this day. That's <laughs> that's pretty much that's pretty much all I am. But I uh, I. I knew that I wanted to go ahead and and pursue the worship side of things. The, the, pr- the problem was that I I got to this place where I was I, I realized I was too broken to be the hero that I thought I was supposed to be. In other words, I lost more than I was winning, uh-huh. <laughs> I, and I didn't like that feeling. Uh, and then I also realized. Just being honest, that I was too sinful to be the worshiper that I thought I was supposed to be, and mm. I, the, my worldview, whatever it was, just kind of collapsed. And on top of that, then as time went on, I realized, well, what the heck? I've got this this mental problem. Who the heck am I? And and then here's the here's the thing to to answer that question of why did I why did I share the story? Well, I. I did it because it it's helped me heal. It's uh, my pain, if you will, is is really become my purpose, Davis. I mm. needed to I needed to share that story. Yeah, and and so I even what I'm hearing from you, and, and you can correct me if, if I'm not hearing you yeah, correctly, yeah, but what sure. I'm hearing is you sort of grew up in and then as a ministry leader, right? Someone who's leading worship, uh, we're we're living in this pattern of I not only have to have my life 100% together, but I need to right. show everybody that my life right. is 100% together. I've got to be a hero. And and man, Scott, that's so much of my own story. Um, although mm-hmm. I, I don't have a bipolar diagnosis, I, um, for the longest time, uh, felt like lived in a pattern of needing to be a hero for my own, for my own sake and, and also for the sake of the people that I served. I needed to be yeah. a pastor who... You know, nobody nobody could see their pastor confess sin, much less struggle with sin. Uh, oh nobody yeah, totally. could see their pastor have limits and and live within the bounds of humanity and and all of these sorts of things. Right. Why do you why do you think it is, Scott? For for ministry leaders in particular, and so I've got our listeners, you know, in mind, many of whom are are leading uh, in youth ministries as as we speak. Why do you think that churches and Christians and ministry leaders in particular hesitate to talk about limits and to join the mental health conversation? Mm. I, I, I want to be sensitive with this one, obviously, sure. yeah. <laughs> because I, I, I have been in ministry and I, I know that I know all the tensions that, well, I don't know all of them, but I know a lot of them. I've done this for 25 years and I, I absolutely, I recognize that there is a challenge when it, when it comes to, in particular, as a leader, uh, sharing the, the, our own struggles with, with people because uh, it, it causes us to potentially look uh, weak. And, sure, and, yeah. 
and <laughs> which, by the way, isn't uh, isn't that bad. But we we do seem to think that it that it is. And uh, I don't know if that's a cultural thing. I don't I don't know if it's pride thing. But I I know that one of the things that the church has struggled with, in my experience, has been that we we tend to disregard the wholeness of the person, mm. Davis. We, in other words, you know, the we, we don't address comfortably the mind, body, and spirit. <laughs> you know, we're way more comfortable just talking about the spirit uh, sure. than, you know, and, and, and rather than addressing our own physical deficiencies or our own mental deficiencies. Uh, and, you know, we'd rather talk about man, yeah, I didn't, I struggled with prayer this week or, you know, rather than I struggled with my eating or I struggled with pornography or I struggled with, you know, what, yeah. fill in the blank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, that's, that gets, starts to get real uncomfortable. So why do you think that, you know, we talked a little bit about that, why that is and the reality of that. Why do you think it's so important that we acknowledge that inertia, that tendency, and then fight against it? Why, why is it so important to talk about mental health, about, about limits? I'm guessing that this is why you wrote your book, and this is also why you called your book what you called it, which is heroic disgrace. Here's here's what I I struggled with. For years, I... I've, I call it my heroic Frankenstein. <laughs> I, I just, I was Frankenstein's monster. Uh, I, I would grab this idea of heroism. I would grab that idea and this idea and that. And I put, I created this, this hero complex uh, and it wasn't real. And, and ultimately when, when my concept of heroism broke, I, I broke and, and, and we, Wonderfully, though, I'll, I'll just pivot to what I saw in Jesus, Davis. Yeah, yes. I recognized with Jesus a completely foreign type of heroism, mm. something I I did not understand. In in other words, I looked at, I struggled because Jesus was a loser <laughs> in some ways. Like he came to lose. He he didn't come to win. I always thought heroes had to be the winners. And and ultimately we know Jesus wins in the end obviously all of that. But he had to die. He had to suffer. He had, he came to to serve, not to be served. We we know all of that. It's so it's so powerful when you look at how Jesus submitted himself to the Father. That type of heroism did not make sense to me. And in, a, in, a, in one way, in man's eyes, and even in my eyes years ago, it was a disgraceful, it looked, it seemed disgraceful. How could Jesus do it this way? Why would he do it this way? Well, <laughs> we, we know, and this is what was so confusing to the, the Hebrew culture. The, the, they, they wanted a Messiah that was going to come in and kick butt and take names, you know? Sure, and, yeah, yeah. And that's what, for some reason, I thought I needed to be. I thought, so this is then this idea of heroic disgrace. It actually is modeled after the lifestyle that Jesus chose to live. What I'm hearing you say is that the power of the gospel is best displayed 
not in lives that are really well put together, but in lives that testify of the redeeming grace of Jesus, even in the very visible mess. Is is that kind of what I'm hearing you saying? You bet. And in regards to hope and health, uh, this is the thing that connects the dots. Uh, Heroic disgrace is a lifestyle that connects the dots ultimately for health. Uh, If you end up in a place of desperation, uh, even as a leader, without that recognition of what, what what true heroism is like, you, you end up in a place of hopelessness rather than a, a, a place of dependence on Jesus. Yeah, that's a good word, man. Hey, I think that sets the backdrop really well for talking through, um, you know, we talked about all sorts of limitations or weaknesses uh, in in general. I think it sets the stage really well to talk some mental health angles in particular. And we're going to do that, Scott. Uh, Before we do, I'm going to take a brief pause here and allow us to hear uh, a word from one of our sponsors on today's episode. As we experience the pains of a perishing, defiled, and fading world, our hope can feel distant or idle. Yet in Christ, we are born again to a hope that is both living and active. This is the message of Rooted's 2022 conference entitled, Living Hope, A Walk Through First Peter. Join us in Kansas City from October 6th through the 8th as we survey First Peter together. This is a conference for all of those who minister to teenagers, youth pastors, volunteers, and parents. Our prayer is that those who attend would have renewed eyes to see that which is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us by Jesus, our living hope. Learn more and register at www.rooted-conference.com. That's rooted conference.com. So Scott, as we talk about mental health in particular during this episode uh, in May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month, um, I, I think you laid the foundation really well for us to embrace and be comfortable, not just having weaknesses and disgraces and limitations, but even being open about those things and transparent about those things. Uh, I'd love for you to share your perspective just on kind of the current landscape uh, of mental health. And, and this obviously is at a unique time where we are on the back end, at least what I hope is the back end of the COVID-19 global pandemic. So uh, give us a snapshot on some of the ways that you have seen the pandemic impact uh, mental health. And I'd love for you maybe first to start off with how the pandemic has impacted uh, the mental health of, of young people, of teenagers. Yeah. So Carrie Ann, my wife, and I ended up, we were in Las Vegas a couple months ago for the uh, NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. Oh, cool. And it was super fun. So our one of our closest friends is a coach here uh, in uh, for the Pac-12, Oregon State Beavers. Uh, yeah. So super fun. We had a great time. Uh, that game, though, that we were sitting in the front row, we had got he got us great seats. It was wonderful. So we're sitting there in the Michelob Ultra Arena uh, in Mandalay Bay, <laughs> and I, I, the the Stanford, so Oregon State and Stanford are playing each other, and the Stanford women have, of all things, Stanford soccer shirts on, huh. and 
And I was, well, why do they have that? Anyway, so there's kind of this whispering going on. And sure enough, uh, Katie Meyer was the soccer goalie or the goalie for the soccer team who had just, uh, what do they call it now? It's not committed suicide. It's death by suicide or, mm. uh, de- you know, anyway, um, she had killed herself and, mm. and it was horrifying because, uh, you know, the, all these women are trying in their best way to, to honor this, this young life who, something i mean and this girl was amazing i mean she was katie meyer was an excellent excellent player an excellent person but something something clicked and uh, and so i don't know how this is influencing young people necessarily but i do know this that a sick mind leads to sick thoughts which leads to sick actions Mm. and when we live in a culture that is as sick as we are experiencing right now we're going to have a lot of people with sick thoughts that leads to sick actions and i i this is where the 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 desperation component that i talked about a little earlier is so necessary to aim in the right direction towards dependence on jesus not on hopelessness because hopelessness, hopelessness is so destructive. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I, yeah, I think that's a really good general snapshot of of maybe just how the pandemic, maybe if it even hasn't caused uh, new mental health struggles, it's just exacerbated maybe existing fault lines or, or existing sure. points of struggle. Um, how do you see, you know, for ministry leaders, because you can speak to this, uh, maybe or maybe you haven't done vocational youth ministry before, but you I have. have. Been a, oh, I you have. have. Okay. Yeah. So, I, yeah, as a side note, tell us a little bit about that. But uh, I'd love for you to talk about, <laughs> sure. yeah, mental health from a ministry leader's perspective. Where where do ministry leaders already struggle with mental health and how maybe has the, the pandemic exacerbated those struggles? Here's what I know about God because I'm proof. I'm proof that God makes healthy what he doesn't heal. I, I, I am, <laughs> I know more than likely, now I believe God could heal me absolutely entirely, Davis, but I, I know that more than likely Scott Box is not going to be healed of bipolar disorder, uh, but I can live a healthy lifestyle. And in fact, this has been kind of the miracle of my bipolar disorder is that it forced me as a ministry leader to reach the end of myself. I had no more, I had no more answers. I was done. And I I, I recognized then that, and this is what's so powerful is that I was designed to be desperate for Jesus. And (laughs) <laughs> that desperation for Jesus, that dependence upon him makes me healthy. And I I just, I, I don't know why it got in my head that I had to be so perfect, that I had to be, I had to shine it on all the time, that I couldn't say a bad word every now and then. You know, <laughs> I, I, it was just like, oh my goodness, what, what? And I, yes, I still follow Jesus and yes, but but wow, I, I needed to be so desperate uh, on him and recognize, ah, oh, I was designed for this. I was designed for this desperation. I think that's such a good, uh, just a good highlighting of, um, 
you know, of how the gospel offers really good news for those who struggle with any sort of variety of mental health. Um, yeah. Tell us, I mean, just the, just as a side note, tell us a little bit about um, your experience as a youth ministry leader. And I've got a direction in this, but <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you one step at a time, man. Tell us a little bit about what that was like for you. Sure. Youth ministry was a joy. It was early on in uh, my ministry career. I, I did two years as a middle school and high school uh, leader and loved it. Uh, it was an incredible challenge. But to this day, I am more comfortable around high schoolers than I am around even young children. Sure. Uh, which is for a lot of adults, you know, totally crazy. <laughs> they don't understand that. Uh, but yeah, my experience was magnificent. It was in the Portland area, Portland, Oregon. Uh, and uh, I, I loved it. The most difficult aspect, though, was that we weren't making any money. Uh, and my wife and I wanted to start a family and the whole concept of, wow, can we do this in ministry? And, uh, we, we decided I'd go sell insurance for a while. So that then transitioned me out of the youth ministry. And later on, I went back into, to worship ministry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In the church, that's really, but yeah, that's helpful to hear. Um, I, that, and that's what I was going to ask you, and, and you segued into it already, we're, we're identifying some of the, you know, the stressors, and, and some could say just the acute instances of anxiety or maybe depression, despair yeah. that you were facing. Uh, how would you encourage our youth ministry listeners to, to do exactly what you've done in the context of bipolar disorder mm. and figure out ways to lean on and be desperate for and mm. to depend on Jesus? What might that look like, putting yourself back in the shoes of, uh, of Scott Box, yeah. youth pastor? Yeah, that's so good because that was the time when the wheels started to fall off. Uh, it, was, it was in those four, five, six, well, it was in those four years or so just after that decision was made in my life, Davis, that that I gained weight, that I stopped doing the things that were necessary from a lifestyle standpoint to actually be healthy. Uh, and later on, and here's here's one of the other components to this is, uh, this, this is, uh, I don't mean to sidestep this, but I struggled with the concept of medication. Yeah. Even back then, I, I went tried to get a, I tried to figure out what was going on and a doctor prescribed some antidepressants. Well, those turned my world upside down in a bad, bad way. And I, that did help me gain weight. It did, mm. it, it happened from a bipolar standpoint, it flung me into hypomanic episodes. Mm. And so, but <laughs> all the same, what's so interesting is as negatively as I felt about medication, once I got great help and had a great medical team, when they told me, Scott, trust us, this medication that you're taking will work. Uh, it will be like a light switch has been flipped, but mm. trust us. And when, when, when they said that, I just, I, I trusted them. And, uh, the medication for me, was never then an issue. Once I trusted them, and it was, once we had to dial in that cocktail later on, I'm speaking, you know, years, years later, but sure. that was a thing that really, really mattered and has been a part of my maintenance as, uh, from a lifestyle standpoint, including 
you know, things like exercise. Uh, you and I just talked about just a few minutes ago, the fact that I had just come back from the gym. This is a part of my daily lifestyle. I brush my teeth every day, you know, and multiple times a day. And I drink 32 ounces of water every morning when I get up uh, and I take my pills. You know, these are the things that I would have looked at Scott Box back then and said, dude, dude, <laughs> do this. Don't back off of the lifestyle things that that guide you into mind, body, and spirit health, wholeness. And obviously, don't back down from a friendship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, dive into that. And I, this is last thought with this was the the entire concept of dependence is it, it's connected to to hopelessness in the sense that desperation is the the key component you you kind of have one one road in or you have one road out uh, as in you can't get out of desperation in hopelessness but the only way out is through dependence on christ mm. and that's what then is so beautiful about my experience is that there became an expectation davis that that christ would come through in my life in my marriage in my my parenting in my ministry and that came out of that's the fruit of the desperation wow man i i love that i i really do and i i appreciated you know the physical aspect of like embracing limits and and embracing wholeness that we're not just discombobulated mm. souls were in fleshed souls were yeah. uh, mind, body, spirit. I think you talked about, but also like, man, I was even talking with, with a team, you know, from our church earlier this week. And uh, they asked me a really good question. They're like, man, are you, are, are you serving people, you know, Jesus without actually tasting of them yourself? You know, are you just, are you serving, serving, serving and giving, yeah. giving, giving without, without uh, enjoying him? I think that personal friendship and apprenticeship with Jesus, not just leading people to follow an idea, but embracing a person, man, so good. Thank you for sharing that. I, I know that that's encouragement for me. I hope it's encouragement for our uh, youth you ministry bet. leaders who are listening as well. Um, and yeah, I, I'd love to, I'd love to maybe hear this as well. Um, how can we, how can we love and care for teenagers who may be struggling with uh, mental health? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The entire concept of, of the pursuit and the reflection of Jesus as a lifestyle has to be connected to our young people. If, if, we, if, if we can't dial in what a lifestyle of, of real health is or a lifestyle of desperation, if we can't model that ourselves, we, we, we will not leave the next generation in a better place. That's good. <laughs> and so it is, it is absolutely, a, a, it is a necessity that we as, as leaders, and I say this with sensitivity too, because I, I, I know the, I know the burden that places on me and, and you and all of us, but but the necessity is that we must model the pursuit and the reflection of Jesus as a habit that leads to hope. And if we do that, the next generation will understand worship better even. I mean, a lifestyle of worship, it won't just be music. It's going to be a lifestyle of worship. And, and here's the thing. This isn't just Scott Box's idea. This is Jesus' idea. Like oh, yeah. Jesus... Amen. 
Jesus lived this lifestyle of what I call, again, heroic disgrace, and he modeled it by being desperate for God the Father. He found his hope in him. He found all the expectation that God the Father would come through. He dialed in his rest. He would escape and feel that rest. And then what would he do? He would obey. And then he would just circle back through it. He would hope. He would expect. He would find rest. He would obey. That's powerful stuff. And that is what we must as leaders be about as we pursue and reflect Jesus as a habit that leads to hope. I love that, that, you know, we talk about living within limits and embracing wholeness and weakness as something that's good for our own mental health. And it is, but you gave us a vision that that's not just good for our mental health. That's actually really good discipleship for those who are watching us <laughs> yeah. and learning from us. So Come on. thank you. That's yeah, right. Thank you for that. Uh, that's you're good, welcome. Man. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, well, Scott, anything anything from your book that, that we haven't talked about that you want to bring up, that you want to highlight for, for the listeners, or just anything else that's on your heart, man, as we kind of come to the close of our conversation mm. today? There's one thing, and I mentioned it to you just because I... I feel it's important to my story, and I won't assume that people will read my story or listen to it. I, I want to say this. I have a very famous cousin who's a rock star, guitarist for the band Corn. His name's Brian Head Welch, and uh, Brian's story blew my mind. Brian was a guy who wasn't following Jesus in any way, <laughs> and he something happened to him. Jesus happened to him back in 2005, 2006. I sat up and I started paying attention to Brian's life. Brian and I were not close. I mean, we're, we're, we're cousins, but we didn't, we didn't know each other. We knew each other existed. That's, that's all. Sure. I was watching how Brian lived. And as Brian was, was, was modeling a lifestyle of worship or a lifestyle of of pursuit and reflection of Jesus, something didn't make sense to me. I was here. I am leading worship at a church and I was looking at Brian's worship and I didn't understand it. Ultimately, I saw how Brian was witnessing and reflected upon how my witness was not even close to Brian. Sure. My platform was completely different, all of that. But ultimately I saw in Brian the pursuit and the reflection of Jesus that that changed me where I wanted what Brian had. And here was my rock star cousin leading, if you will, the worship leader. The rock star <laughs> led the worship leader to Jesus. Mm. Man, I love I love hearing that. So I, I'll let you I'll let you put it in your own words as we close. What did you learn from Brian? And that is what good news does the gospel offer to those who struggle with mental health? I recognize that the heroic path that we're all on, because I believe we've been called to be heroic as Jesus is heroic. Brian modeled that for me. He's brought, he's modeled it for all of us. No, he's not perfect, uh, but neither are we. The heroic path must be traveled to be understood. It has to be. And Jesus, Jesus called the disciples into that. He's called us, regardless of our our ability or our whether I'm I've got a diagnosed thing, bipolar disorder, or whether I am just uh, yeah, whether I don't have a, a diagnosis of any kind. 
our job is to is to be witnesses in the world and what brian showed me is the ability to to take his pain as i mentioned earlier and use it as purpose and that is why we must all together walk this heroic path and help other people understand it by walking it alongside them brian did that for me and the mental health component i mean that's that is so that's just a part of my story but all of us have something that we can tie into uh, the the pursuit and the reflection of Jesus along that heroic path. There's a purpose behind the pain, and there's a person behind the purpose. Um, yes, sir. I, I love I loved hearing that from you, and I love hearing that these are opportunities uh, not just to know that our pain is not wasted, but that our pain leads us yeah. into the tender embrace of Jesus. Yes, um, man. As as a ministry that has gospel centrality as one of our five core values or five pillars, I. I couldn't help but uh, but ask you that question as we close up our time. Thanks so much for spending it with us, Scott. I've, I've enjoyed this conversation. And if folks who are listening to this want to learn more about you, uh, where would you send them? You bet. Uh, HeroicDisgrace.com. You can find the book. And then find me on uh, Facebook. That's my primary place of communication. I've got a YouTube channel, Heroic Disgrace. That's great, man. Uh, I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that we get to chat again sometime in the future, man. But until then, Thanks, I hope Davis. that your days are filled with, uh, with lots of rowing machines and, uh, <laughs> some good, some good music and, uh, and man, just, just abundantly the grace of Jesus poured out onto you. Thank you so much, Davis. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah. And thank you for yours and, and listeners. We say the same to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. Hey, if you found this podcast helpful or encouraging, we'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit rootedministry.com. As always, special thanks to High Street Hymns for providing the music for this podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Rooted, this is Davis Lacey. Thanks for listening to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. Mm-hmm.